section twenty seven of life of sir walter raleigh by louise creighton this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter sixteen the execution of sir walter raleigh part one the news of the doings of the english on the orinoco had reached london in the second week of may sarmiento was at once loud in his complaints to the king of raleigh's conduct james was quite ready to listen to him and to agree with him that raleigh had been the first to break the peace on the ninth of june he issued a proclamation inviting all persons who might be able to supply information about the doings of raleigh and his fleet to come and give evidence before the privy council in the proclamation he spoke of the horrible invasion of the town of san tome and of a malicious breaking of the peace which hath been so happily established and so long inviolately continued james showed himself all eagerness to propitiate spain and his conduct makes it all the more wonderful that he should ever thinking as he did have allowed the expedition to start at all no sane man can have supposed that raleigh would have been allowed to get possession of a mine situated in a territory which the spaniards claimed as their own and in which they had made settlements without having some fighting with the spaniards raleigh has been blamed for having gone on the expedition promising that he would not break the peace whilst he clearly meant to do so in so doing there was in his mind no attempt to deceive he still held to the view current in elizabethan days of no peace beyond the line to fight with the spaniards who had been guilty of putting to death with horrible cruelty english merchants who had come merely to trade with them was no crime in his eyes he was firmly persuaded that if he could only bring back gold or even clear proof of the existence of the mine james with his empty treasury would willingly pardon the death of a few spaniards in the days when he and drake and hawkins had sailed the seas before elizabeth had not made too curious inquiries whether they broke the peace he did not understand this new spirit of truckling to the spaniard true it was not wise to go under the circumstances but after those thirteen years in the damp gloomy tower were not a few whiffs of fresh sea air worth any risk what wonder if he grew careless caught at everything promised anything if only he might be allowed once more to try to do something as soon as she heard that the destiny had reached plymouth lady raleigh hastened to meet her husband and sad must the meeting have been for both whilst the future grew more gloomy to raleigh as he heard of the way in which the king had received the tidings of his doings he left plymouth on his way to london in the second week of july his wife and one of his officers captain king going with him they had not gone more than twenty miles when they met sir lewis stukeley vice-admiral of devon who said that he had orders to arrest both sir walter and his ships they had to turn back to plymouth together stukeley treated sir walter as a friend for he wished to gain his confidence and so learn his secrets at plymouth raleigh lodged with his wife and king in a private house whilst stukeley was busy looking after the ship lady raleigh in her fear for the future pleaded anxiously with her husband that he would try to escape king joined in her pleading at last raleigh yielded to them and king engaged a vessel to carry him to france at midnight raleigh and king started in a little boat to row to the vessel but when they were within a quarter of a mile of it raleigh gave orders to turn the boat around before he sailed for guiana 
he had solemnly promised arundel and others that he would come back by merely landing at plymouth he had not kept his word he would not fly he allowed king to give orders that the vessel should be kept in readiness for another night or two but he did not try to get to her again he preferred to be true to his word and come back to face his accusers stukeley was busy selling the tobacco with which the destiny had been laden but on the twenty fifth of july in obedience to an order from the council he started for london with his prisoner they passed through country well known to raleigh which must have wakened many fond recollections they went close by the fair woods and pastures of sherborne which he had hoped to leave to his children for ever and the men of devon and dorset who knew and loved him well must have crowded to gaze on him as he passed raleigh was very anxious to gain some time before reaching london time was wanted to enable his friends to prepare to do for him all they could and he himself wished to write whilst it was possible a statement of his doings in guiana to send to the king he felt that his condition was very desperate the next day after passing sherborne when near to salisbury he got out to walk down the hill and drew manoury a french doctor who was one of his company aside and began to speak to him of his desire to gain time in order he said that i may work my friends give order for my affairs and it may be pacify his majesty before my coming to london for i know well that as soon as i come there i shall to the tower and that they will cut off my head if i use no means to escape it he proceeded to ask manoury to give him an emetic so that he might counterfeit illness which would make a delay necessary that night at salisbury he complained of headache and giddiness the next morning early he sent his wife with king and her servants on to london so that they might lose no time in doing all they could for him king was commissioned to hire a ship in london or gravesend to lie in readiness to take sir walter to france should there be any opportunity of escape shortly after they had gone raleigh feigned to be seized with a fit so that his servant rushed into stukeley's room crying my master is out of his wits i have just found him in his shirt upon all fours gnawing at the rushes on the boards manoury was sent to see if he could do anything for raleigh and gave him the emetic which he had asked for to make the deception still more complete manoury also gave raleigh an ointment which produced blisters and sores on any part of the body to which it was applied seeing him in this condition stukeley thought he must indeed be seriously ill and sent in all haste to the bishop's palace where andrews the saintly bishop of ely was then staying andrews sent two physicians to see raleigh and they together with manoury stated that he was unfit to go on with his journey the expedient appears to us quite unworthy of raleigh but he does not seem either then or subsequently to have felt any shame about it speaking of it afterwards he said i hope it was no sin the prophet david did make himself a fool and to him it was not imputed as a sin the time he had thus gained he employed in writing his apology for the voyage to guiana this even under those strange circumstances was written with glowing eloquence and is full of bitter scorn of his enemies it shows us more clearly than anything else that he afterwards said his own point of view about the matter for in it he states clearly the question as it then appeared to him before he had heard the comments and accusations of others on the fourth day of raleigh's stay at salisbury james who was then on progress arrived in the town raleigh may have cherished some slight hope that he would be allowed to see the king 
but a council warrant ordered that he should proceed on his journey immediately digby who was with the king heard that he was ill and obtained permission for him on reaching london to go to his own house in bread street instead of to the tower on the way up to london sir walter according to statements made afterwards by manoury talked much to him of plans for escape and offered to pay him liberally if he would help him to do so manoury's statements are made rather incredible by the fact that sir walter was an impoverished man and hardly in the position to offer manoury fifty pounds a year as a reward for his assistance sir lewis stukely now thought it wise to gain raleigh's confidence by affecting deep pity for him and a desire to help him in every way they reached london on august seventh raleigh remained in his own house in bread street under the charge of stukely here captain king came to him and told him that he had made arrangements for a vessel now lying at tilbury to take him over to france stukely professed himself perfectly willing to aid him to escape and to go to france with him two frenchmen by name chesnay and leclerc also came to raleigh with offers of assistance they said that they had letters of recommendation which they would give him to different persons in france and that they would put a french bark at his disposal raleigh accepted the letters but thought that the bark provided by king would be more suitable for his purpose meanwhile hart the owner of the boat had betrayed the whole scheme to a certain herbert a courtier who had told it to some one else who had informed the king arrangements were made not to prevent the attempt to escape altogether but only to prevent it from succeeding so that to the other charges against raleigh the charge of having tried to escape might be added stukely played the traitor to such perfection that he was afterwards awarded by the indignant english with the name of judas and was commonly known as sir judas stukely on sunday evening ninth august raleigh king stukely and one or two servants who were to be of the party met on the riverside two wherries under the charge of hart were in readiness to convey them to the vessel which lay at gravesend another boat also lay near by in which was herbert with a large crew this boat followed them at a distance as they put out and excited sir walter's suspicions stukely was indignant with him for doubting and with many oaths exclaimed against his bad fortune in having adventured his life with a man so full of doubts and fears doubts and misgivings delayed them so that they lost the advantage of the tide the watermen said they would not be able to reach gravesend till morning the other boat meanwhile still followed them from the conduct of hart it at last became so clear to raleigh that he had been betrayed that he ordered the boats to turn and row back in hopes that he might reach his house before morning and nothing be known of his attempt to escape stukely continued to assure him of his friendship and even went so far as to embrace him in the boat with vehement protestations of love at greenwich he persuaded raleigh to land saying he durst not take him to his house herbert and his men landed at the same time here stukely tried to persuade king that it would be better for his master if king should pretend that he had betrayed raleigh but to this the sturdy sailor would not agree at last stukely gave up the deception arrested king and gave him over to some of herbert's men raleigh seems to have been neither indignant nor surprised at such treachery but only said to stukely sir lewis these actions will not turn out to your credit words which were to prove truer even than raleigh thought in the morning as they were led into the tower raleigh found opportunity for a few words of comfort to king 
stukely has betrayed me for your part you need be in fear of no danger but as for me it is i am the mark that is shot at when raleigh was taken into the tower his person was searched and all the jewels and trinkets which were found on him were given over to stukely raleigh was a great lover of jewels and there seemed to have been some fine ones on his person amongst others a diamond ring which he always wore on his finger and which had been given him by queen elizabeth there were besides upon him sixty-three gold buttons with sparks of diamonds a jacinth seal with a figure of neptune cut on it a lodestone in a scarlet purse a guiana idol of gold and silver and many other trinkets there was also a miniature in a case set with diamonds which at sir walter's express desire was left in the hands of the lieutenant of the tower sir alan apsley beside these jewels stukely obtained afterwards as payment for his services with regard to raleigh nine hundred and sixty-five pounds six councillors were now appointed as a commission to inquire into raleigh's case amongst these were bacon cook and abbott the archbishop of canterbury they held many sittings and raleigh was thrice examined before them many other persons were also examined chiefly men who had been on the guiana expedition we still possess the results of some of their examinations from which we are able to see the points upon which the commissioners especially desired information these were whether sir walter raleigh really believed in the existence of the mine and meant to go there and to work it whether he himself had directed that the spanish town should be burnt whether he would have sailed from trinidad had his officers allowed it and deserted those who had gone up the orinoco whether he meant to turn pirate and what was the nature of his relations with france to gain still more information a keeper named sir thomas wilson was appointed to attend on raleigh in the tower to be with him constantly to win his confidence and try to discover something from him he was to inform the commissioners of anything he thought worth reporting wilson entered upon his hateful office on the tenth of september and gave it up on the fifteenth october when there seemed no chance of learning anything more he intercepted raleigh's letters and means were even found by secretary naughton to persuade lady raleigh to write asking certain questions of her husband in the hope that through his answers more might be discovered at last on the eighteenth october the commissioner's report was sent into the king it seems to have been drawn up by cook but represented the views of the whole body the difficulty of the case was that as raleigh had already in sixteen o four been declared guilty of high treason and had never been pardoned he could not be put on his trial for any crime committed since as he was legally dead the commissioners therefore recommended two courses as possible the first that in publishing the warrant for raleigh's execution his majesty should also publish a narrative in print of his late crimes and offences the second course and the one preferred by the commissioners was that sir walter should be summoned before the whole body of the council of state and the principal judges together with some of the nobility and gentlemen of quality and should be thus publicly charged with acts of hostility depredation abuse of the royal commission attempt to escape and the other misdemeanours of which he stood accused the commissioners left it to his majesty how far the matter with the french should be touched upon for their careful examination of the frenchmen who had dealings with raleigh led them to the conclusion that he had been passive rather than active in the matter after the examination the king was to take the advice of the lords of the council and the judges 
as to the execution of sir walter and the whole proceeding was to be made a solemn act of the council james was afraid to follow their advice for the other course he wrote in answer of a public calling him before our council we think it not fit because it would make him too popular as was found by experiment at the arraignment at winchester whereby his wit he turned the hatred of men into compassion of him james therefore resorted to a middle course a formal proceeding was to take place but only before the commissioners no publicity was to be allowed the sentence of his execution which had been so long suspended was then to be carried into effect after which a declaration was to be put forward in print stating the crimes of which he had been found guilty on one point james was very determined raleigh must lose his life he owed it to spain that the man who had broken the peace and burnt the spanish town should not be spared the spaniards had long looked upon raleigh as their bitter foe james had written to madrid offering to give up raleigh for execution there on the fifteenth october he received the answer that philip the third would prefer that the execution should take place in england and that he hoped it would take place immediately in england many were found to intercede for raleigh amongst others queen anne who wrote to villiers now duke of buckingham addressing him as my kind dog and asking him to exert his influence with the king to prevent raleigh's execution raleigh himself wrote to buckingham a somewhat fawning letter begging him to do what he could to get his majesty's pardon for him to lord carew his cousin he wrote a long and dignified letter in which he justified his doings by his favourite argument that guiana belonged to the english crown by virtue of the cession made to him in fifteen ninety five so that the spaniards had no right to be there at all from this letter and from his apology it is easy to see what was raleigh's view about the matter he did not believe in peace beyond the line and could not understand how other people could believe in it his early training had taught him to look upon the spaniard as a foe who must be resisted at any price it may be urged that he had distinctly undertaken not to break the peace but he must have thought that this was only exacted as a matter of form since every one knew that he was bound for guiana and every one knew that there were already spanish settlements there no one could suppose that a collision could be avoided elizabeth's subjects had always resisted the spanish claims to supremacy in the indies and had looked upon it as lawful to win from spain by fair fighting all the booty they could the spaniards in like manner had treated all englishmen whom they met in the indies as their enemies and had even put to death with horrible tortures peaceable merchants with whom they had been trading in the true interests of colonization and commerce it was necessary that this state of things should cease that the dealings of one nation with another should be regulated by the same rules in the indies as they were in europe this was what men were beginning to think and what made things like the burning of saint thome entirely unjustifiable to a legal mind like bacon's to raleigh individually small blame can be attached because he had failed to understand how men's feelings had changed during those thirteen years which he had spent in the tower for the sake of liberty he had been over ready to promise and had trusted that some chance might turn up to favour his attempt looked at from a modern point of view the capture and burning by an englishman of a foreign settlement belonging to a people with whom his nation was at peace is an unjustifiable act but in considering its bearing upon our judgment of raleigh's character 
we must remember the state of opinion under which he had grown up and the circumstances of his life in his eyes at least it was no crime and he was astonished that others should think it so in his eyes his only crime was the failure of his expedition End of section twenty seven